Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on Talk of Radio. Well, it's a funny old world, isn't it? Meghan Markle and Hazard remain fixtures on the front pages this morning, but apparently there are only certain things you are supposed to say about them. Yesterday, our poll on Talk Radio went viral across social media because I had the temerity to ask a question. Hundreds of thousands of people interacted with Talk Radio on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook and elsewhere as the horror of the question actually sunk in. Rival radio stations even joined in as they clearly realised the question was indeed the question of the day. Others, of course, were very angry. Angry that such a terrible question could be asked. Horrified that anyone would think such a thing. Even that whoever thought of that particular question must be some kind of maniac, a deranged individual. For us at the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, of course, it's all in a day's work. And all I want to do is thank all of you who took part in the polls and the debate. After all, that's what we do in a civilised and democratic society, is it not? The two polls on Twitter, one which was put out by me, one which was put out by Talk Radio, uh, were both hijacked by the wokists, which I'm pleased to say uh, resulted in the fact that the answer to the question, should we strip Harry and Meghan of their British citizenship, the answer was a very firm no. Uh, but the true poll, which is on YouTube and has not been uh, interfered with or fiddled with by the Wokies, has actually got a much different result. Yes, 64%. No, 36%. 39,000 people voting in that. Uh, and you can still vote in it now. So if you still feel uh, as if you're so woke, you have to affect the outcome of a poll uh, and then make fun of me and say, ha the poll didn't turn out the way you wanted, did it? Well, actually, it did, because what I wanted to do was to start a debate. What I wanted to do was have as many of you as possible to interact with us. So because we've got so many of you interacting with us, I would say, actually, it was a great success. This morning, we're kicking off with Brendan O'Neill, though, from Spikes Online, with his take on what people are so frightened of, why so many fundamentally misunderstand the term free speech, and why some people, largely on the left, want to silence some other people from saying things. 0344 499 1000. And let me explain something to you. I'm not trying to silence Meghan Markle. I'm not trying to silence Prince Harry. I'm not trying to silence anyone. But free speech is about saying something and letting somebody else say something about what you said. I don't care if people want to criticise me, but I don't think it's right to say that I shouldn't say things. Is it? Coming up, we'll discuss. We'll be discussing why it takes 200,000 quid to refurbish Downing Street every few years and why the Prime Minister is so scared of upsetting his fiancée by telling her, no, you can't do it, Carrie. 
Plus, we'll get the latest on the vaccine blocking by the EU and the holiday destinations demanding that you have two jabs before you can go there. We're also looking at the defence review today, why English regiments are getting hit harder than Scottish ones by budget cuts and why there's a good news uh, for the Scots whisky business. As ever, of course, we need to hear from you. What are you hearing? Uh, what are you doing this weekend? Are you preparing your children for school next week? Big debate early on this week about mask wearing in schools. What are you going to do? 0344 499 1000. Because it's Friday, it's Perrier Awards time. Martin Malagon is back in the hot seat and we'll hear from a member of Team GB about a charity venture that's designed to help grassroots sports. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Without further ado, uh, and slightly later than advertised, let's talk to Brendan O'Neill, editor of Spiked Online. Brendan, very good morning to you. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Yeah, very well indeed. What a great day I had yesterday. Uh, so much fun being uh, hurled abuse at. I actually do quite enjoy it. You know, people don't think I'm telling the truth when I say that, but I find it really, really funny that people get so worked up about something so simple uh, as a question. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, people get worked up about so many things these days, the simplest things, and is as you say, even just posing a question. Now, my view, I don't think Harry and Meghan should be stripped of their citizenship. That's it, right, you're off. That's it, you're finished. You can't say any more. We're going to cancel the interview. <laughs> Everyone should be able to ask that question, to promote that question, to hold a poll. But the problem is, I mean, there are two problems here, really. First is that people don't take freedom of speech seriously anymore, and they want to shout down anyone and silence anyone who says something that they find disagreeable agreeable mm. and also Meghan Markle has become like this holy figure in woke circles she's the saint of wokeness you know she's the unquestionable untouchable goddess of all this nonsense and no one is allowed to blaspheme against her anyone who criticizes her is accused of being racist anyone who takes the side of the queen rather than Meghan Markle apparently that's a bad thing to do you're a wicked person mm. you're doing it because you're prejudiced she's become this um, saintly figure for the woke set who we're not allowed to raise questions about. And I think that's part of the reason why your poll caused such a yeah. meltdown amongst these and, people. And what they don't realise as well is that she's rather clever, is Megan, because what she's doing is making an entire industry out of that fact, out of the fact that she is revered by these idiots, right? And the fact that she's absolutely <clears throat> making a fortune on the basis of creating this image for herself. Because now, whenever somebody says, well, what about these people over here who say they were bullied by her? Well, they're obviously liars. They're obviously making it up. It's obviously a smear uh, cooked up by the, by the ghastly royal family. Exactly right. I mean, she's going to make a fortune out of this. She's going to become a globe-trotting virtue signaller. And I think that's partly her long-term plan. And, you know, it, the clips that we've seen so far from Meghan talking to Oprah, I mean, this really sums up identity politics and, yeah. and the grotesqueness of identity politics. Because what we have here is a duchess in the luxurious surrounds of an unimaginably expensive um, uh, mansion in California, telling one of the wealthiest women in America how much of a victim she is, how, <laughs> how oppressed she is, how right. terrible her life as a royal was. You know, this is pathetic. This is ridiculous. And it demonstrates that identity politics is really a ruse for the privilege to pretend to be oppressed, for well-off, well-connected people to claim that they are being bullied by the public, they are being oppressed by the public, right. they are the great victims of our time. In fact, Meghan has an incredibly nice life, a very comfortable life. She's not a victim. and But she plays that card because that's what the woke crowd needs to hear. And that's the platform upon which she can become even more famous. So that's the strategy long term. Right. I think. And the story effectively also is one of, as I said yesterday, kind of high school dimensions. You know, she's basically saying people are saying nasty things about me behind my back. I mean, that's the story. 
That's exactly right. And, um, you know, the, the thing is, this is what really irritates me about the Harry and Meghan story. This this idea that the Brits turned against her because um, she's not white, because she's a woman of colour. I mean, it's completely untrue. I know it seems like a long time ago now, but when she first got engaged to Harry and when they got married, there was a lot of support for Harry and Meghan. Uh, there was a lot of love for them, actually. Um, loads and loads of people watched the wedding. We thought, great, this is going to be yeah. a new, and also a people, nice addition. People like that kind of thing. People like happy endings, regardless of what the, the, the reputation of this country is. People love a decent wedding. They like a bit of celebrity. They like a bit of glamour. And I think people generally thought they were a very cool couple. Absolutely. Absolutely right. They thought this is an attractive woman. Harry's happy. The royals have taken her in. It's great. The only the people only started questioning her and criticizing her when it turned out that she wanted to use the royal platform to lecture the rest of us constantly about climate change and feminism and mental health and all these other pet issues that she has. And I don't know if people remember, but we fought a civil war in this country 350 years ago to prevent the royals from having that kind of political influence and to make them kind of decorative. So people don't want her to do that. They don't like um, hypocritical neo-aristocrats lecturing us about climate change and then jumping in a private jet to fly to Elton John's swanky pad in the south of France. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but that was all right, wasn't it? Because he paid some kind of carbon offset company to plant a couple of trees in the Amazon. That's right. Yeah, if you're super rich, you're still allowed to fly because you can pay loads of money to plant some trees. Uh, so it's it was that kind of hypocrisy. It was that um, almost decadent elite hypocrisy, you know, that uh, kind of Marie Antoinette mm. style politics that yeah. Meghan pursues. You know, I can fly around the world and I can do all these things because I'm important and yes. good. But you lot should have fewer holidays, fewer children, and stop being so eco-unfriendly. It's that kind of thing that started to get on people's nerves. It had nothing whatsoever to do with race. No, of course not. I mean, somebody actually tweeted at me yesterday um, saying, oh, so it's all right when Pretty Patel uh, bullies people, uh, but it's terrible when Meghan Markle does it. And I said, well, thank you for at least explaining to me that it's clearly not about race then. Because if it was, surely uh, we would be racist against Priti Patel, which apparently we're not. We're only racist against Meghan Markle. So how do you figure that one? I think the, the Priti Patel, I was thinking about that this morning, the difference between how Priti Patel is discussed in the media, particularly by the kind of woke left people, mm. and how Meghan Markle is talked about. Because uh, it really demonstrates that political correctness will only... Um, paint you as a victim of racism if they like you, if they like what you say, if they like what you represent. So they like Meghan Markle, she's switched on, she's right on, she has all the right views, so they will protect her from criticism. But they loathe Priti Patel because she's an ethnic minority woman who has right-wing views, who has pretty firm law and order views, and that's not apparently how Asian women are supposed to think. They're supposed to think like the woke set tells them to right. think. So they hate I don't know whether any of these people have actually ever been to India or have looked at the way that Indian politics actually works, because Indian politics at the moment, in particular, is pretty right wing and, and has been for many years. Yeah. And but, you know, the, the problem with political correctness, you know, it poses as being anti-racist, but actually it's quite racist because oh, sure. yeah, of course it, it is. Yeah, and it basically says to ethnic minority people, for, to people from that background, you have to hold a particular view, you have to agree with us, you have to, all black people must think the same thing, all yeah. Asian heritage people must think the same thing, and if they don't, there's something wrong with them, and we will call them 
a coconut or an mm. Uncle Tom, or we will say that they have sold out to whiteness. Yeah. I mean, this is racist. Or sometimes stuff. an awful lot worse than that, as Calvin Robinson will tell you. But the other yeah. thing that I find amazing is people's fundamental misunderstanding of free speech, because an awful lot of the comments I got yesterday were from people saying, oh, yo, what a snowflake you are. You want to cancel people. You want to stop them from being able to say stuff. And that's not at all what I said. All I said was, you know, uh, this is a couple uh, who are saying some ridiculously dangerous and horrible things about the royal family, uh, and I think they should be criticised for it. Not that they shouldn't be able to say it. And people make that mistake quite a lot. They think that because you're criticising someone, you're trying to silence them. I'm not trying to silence anyone. No, you know, Harry and Meghan should knock themselves out. They can say what they want. They can go on Oprah. They can have all these platforms and they will have for for a long time. But the rest of us, you know, us mere plebs, apparently, we have to have the right to stand up and say we disagree with you. We think it's highly inappropriate to do an interview like this at a time when Prince Philip is very poorly. Uh, The royal family's got a lot on its plate. This is not the best time. This is not the best thing to do. People are making those kinds of criticisms. They're perfectly legitimate criticisms. It's not about silencing Harry and Meghan. You know, good luck with anyone to anyone who wants to try and do that. It's about having a public discussion. But mm. Harry and Meghan, uh, sadly, have become very anti-freedom themselves. You know, they're going after the media all the time. They hate the tabloid media. They they don't want it to publish any critical stories. They only want glowing loving media coverage i'm sorry that's not how the real world works in the real world debate is open and free-flowing and sometimes quite critical and they've got to suck it up it's like somebody who's a playwright saying i only want to employ uh, and invite people in to, to review my play who are going to write nice reviews about it <laughs> you know i mean you can't run it like that can you <laughs> simply not exactly and if you're going to be a public figure especially a public figure who's quite opinionated in the way that Megan is, who often talks about herself and her experiences and how wise she is. If you are, you know, even in the recent statement she did in response to Buckingham Palace, she said she's going to continue with her campaign to spread compassion around the world. I mean, if you're going to adopt <laughs> this um, saintly persona, you That's know, great. this persona of a, like a modern day Jesus going around the world, spreading compassion to the to the masses, if you're going to do something as pompous as that you are going to be criticized you get there is going to be pushback so harry and megan need to grow up and recognize they're not victims they're actually incredibly privileged and public debate means that people are going to criticize them yes i'm afraid so and also i'm not sure the world's ready for any more spreading of her compassion because the last time (laughs) she tried it in kensington palace there's about 10 people lining up to say she was a horrible bully you know and i'm sorry if there was one person saying it i might believe that it was a bit of a jumped up story but if 10 people are willing to come forward and give evidence to this inquiry about bullying i think there must be something to it well, I think what, you know, I, I have no doubt in my mind that Meghan Markle is a, is hard-nosed and a goad-getter and, and she knows what she wants. And it's often the case with people who are super woke. It often turns out that behind the scenes, they are they can be pretty ruthless, right? Mm. They can be pretty ruthless if they don't get what they want. I mean, look at what happened to Ellen DeGeneres' show yes. in the US. That got completely buried in accusations of bullying. And Ellen apparently is you know, the queen of wokeness in in America has all the right views, does all the right things. So these people, you know, part of the protection of their public persona and part of the promotion of their public persona involves them being pretty ruthless behind the scenes and making sure everything goes their way. So I wouldn't be surprised 
if Meghan Markle did stamp her feet while she was in the palace. And also, this is a woman, by the way, who talks about her struggle uh, being a new mother, this, that and the other. You know, she had about two uh, full-time nannies. She had a housekeeper. Uh, all of these people travel with her. So I'm assuming in, in the big house in Montecito, I don't imagine she cleans it herself. She's probably got a cleaner. I'm not saying anything of this is wrong. Um, and it may well be that she's a great employer. But she employs a lot of people to do what you would regard as servile and sort of mundane uh, servant-type jobs. Yeah. And, you know, for her to play the victim card and to claim that her life is very hard and um, that she was going through all this while she was pregnant and while she was raising uh, her young son uh, at a time when millions of people are losing their, their jobs, where when millions of um, mothers have been locked at home for a year on end, looking after kids, often in small flats with no gardens and a, a declining income, it's just not going to wash, right? People are really struggling at the moment. People are having a hard time and people don't know what the future holds for them. The last thing they need is to switch on their TV and see this uh, grotesquely wealthy woman sitting in the gardens of a mansion mm. and telling us all how horrible her life has been. It, we don't believe it, and there are far more people we should feel sorry for before we feel sorry for Meghan Markle. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the inner city uh, combinations of, uh, of, of different populations in America looking upon this with any great sort of sense of awe either, because if you're living in sort of uh, downtown Detroit or Chicago, uh, where about five people are killed and shot dead uh, every single Saturday night, uh, if not more, you know, I don't think you're going to go, oh, I feel really sorry for her. Uh, I'm so sorry that she's had such a terrible life. But do you think some of this, Brendan, is the result of the politicisation uh, of our politicians, if you like? Because I had a politician on a Tory MP the other day um, and he used phrases that I had to keep pulling him up on. Like, for example, everyone agrees that we should have a greener economy. And I said, excuse me, everybody doesn't actually agree with that. And he corrected himself. He said, no, you're quite right. I shouldn't say that. But a lot of politicians now speak in these kind of terms that everyone agrees with this. And if you don't agree with it, you're therefore uh, some kind of misanthrope. Exactly right. There is this presumption now there are, that, that there are certain views everyone must hold. And if you don't hold them, there's something wrong with you. Mm. So, for example, if you don't believe that the economy should be green, uh, I don't believe it. I, I think our emphasis should be on growing wealth and creating more jobs and industrialization and nuclear power. I don't think we should have a Green New Deal. Um, if, if you don't go along with that, you're a climate change denier. If you criticize any aspect of transgenderism, you're transphobic. If you criticize Meghan Markle, of course, you're racist. Yeah. I mean, there's all these presumptions made in public life that you have to have the correct, supposedly correct view on every issue. And if you don't, you will be branded prejudiced and problematic and cast out. Mm. So what we're witnessing is the constant shrinking of public life and the shrinking of open debate. And I think the trouble that you guys got into for that poll demonstrates this because people are now aghast, even if you ask a question, <laughs> even if you open the door to a public discussion. But that, of course, is your job. It's all of our jobs. We should have these discussions. Yeah. We should have them as freely as we want. Well, do you know, latterly, uh, at the end, towards the end of the day yesterday, people were joining in and saying, actually, uh, we may not wish to fuel these maniacs at Talk Radio, but it is a debate to have about the likelihood of the future of the royal family. And if that's what we're going to talk about, then I'm all for it. You know, debate is, is, is the lifeblood of a democracy. People's ideas are the lifeblood. I want to hear other people's ideas as well as... I don't want to just listen to my own ideas being, you know, projected back to me. As you said, you don't agree with uh, with what I suggested yesterday, and that's absolutely uh, perfectly fine. You know, but the more, the more that we talk about it, the better outcome we will have. 
Absolutely. That's always the way. This is the great thing about freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is the way in which we can work things out. We can decide who's right, who's wrong. We can weigh things up. We can invite as many voices as possible into the discussion. And that's how you get to a better understanding of the world. The problem with censorship, on the other hand, it infantilizes everyone because it says you're basically a bunch of children. We need to cover your eyes and cover your ears so that you never hear any criticism of Meghan Markle or any climate change denial or anything that we disapprove of. And it turns us into a bunch of children who are just waiting to be told what to think. We should always defend freedom of speech because it enlivens society and it makes society a better place. But isn't it ironic that those saying that uh, we mustn't uh, allow people to hear these terrible ideas and terrible opinions are the ones who are actually pushing their opinions on everybody else and saying, you have to agree with me? That's the, the hilarious thing about the culture war at the moment is that you can have all, it's always the right who are accused of starting a culture war. So you can have people on the left promoting the ideology of gender fluidity and making everyone use the correct pronouns and forcing us all to bend the knee to Black Lives Matter and tearing down statues and putting pressure on cultural institutions to flagellate for the crimes of history. The left does all of that stuff all the time. But as soon as someone puts his hand up and says, I don't think we should tear down that statue. I don't think we should cancel that person. They are accused of starting a culture war. So the left is engaged in a culture war every single day, a culture war against freedom of speech, against common sense, against the science of biology. And yet if we push back, they say that we are the culture warriors. So there's an extraordinary double standard on this, which makes me laugh. Uh, it is amazing. Brendan, glad you're laughing. I'm glad I'm laughing. I'm glad lots of people are laughing. The sensible people are laughing, but they're also thinking. And that is what we do here at Talk Radio. We think, we speak, we debate, but we also quite enjoy it. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. I see Pope Francis arrived in Baghdad. Not quite sure why. We'll see what we can uh, find out about that because uh, apparently it's the first time the Pope has ever gone to Baghdad or Iraq even. Uh, so uh, we'll bring you a bit of that, I, say, I dare say, over the course of the weekend here uh, at Talk Radio. Right now, though, we're going to talk about something a little closer to home, uh, Scotch whisky, to be precise, because last night there was some very good news for the whisky business. Uh, the US has suspended tariffs on single malt Scotch whisky, along with cheese, cashmere, other bits of machinery. Uh, they put these tariffs on uh, in a bit of a retaliatory strike, uh, something to do with Airbus. But they've now said uh, that they're going to remove them. Um, uh, and so basically it means that Scotch will be cheaper to buy in America. So we're going to talk now. To Graham Littlejohn, Director of Strategy and Communications at the Scotch Whiskey Association. Graham, very good morning to you. Morning, mate. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Thanks very much indeed. Uh, were you uh, sort of dancing in the streets of Edinburgh, as they say in, uh, in rugby parlance? I certainly enjoyed a, a dram to, to celebrate last night. Uh, this was very good news for the, the Scotch whiskey industry. These 25% tariff uh, on single malt Scotch whiskey has been in place to the United States now for 16 months right. and it caused a huge amount of damage to the industry over half a billion pounds worth of lost exports to the United States really? alone so removing the the tariff is a, is a real boost to the industry mm. and gives us the breathing room to try and recover not just from tariffs but also from the the COVID-19 pandemic. Sure so what's been the effect then of the tariffs has it meant that wholesalers haven't ordered as much scotch or you haven't been able to supply as much or what? I think there's three main effects of it. One is, as I've said, you know, that those export losses, half a billion pounds lost in the last 16 months alone. 
the other impact is uh, distribution in the United States. Some of the, the smaller distillers who almost exclusively deal with single malt mm -hmm. and almost exclusively uh, export to the United States are unable to get distribution deals. So that reduces the uh, number of Scotch whiskey brands available in the US market. And then I think the third one is market share. Other whiskies and other spirits in the United States haven't had to face that 25% tariff. So they were able to take market mm. share away from Scotland's national drink. And that's something that we will need to build back in the months ahead. Yes. I mean, I suppose given that most of the bars or a lot of the bars uh, in the US where you would normally expect people to buy scotch weren't open, which would have also presumably had quite a big hit and a big effect as well on sales. I, the, the reduction in hospitality across the world in the UK, the US and the other global markets has impacted Scotch whiskey. But actually spirits have been quite robust in the US market over the last year or so, mm. especially in that, uh, that off-trade space, that, that, uh, that retail space. And Scotch whiskey hasn't been able to keep pace with the other uh, whiskies and other global spirits in the United States because of that tariff. It's a real drag on the market. So having that removed yesterday, suspended for four months, as you outlined, um, gives us the opportunity to get back up to full speed in that really important US market. And in terms of, I know this is a difficult one to answer, maybe because everything's a different price and some scotches are more expensive than others. But I mean, what was, for example, the effect of the tariff on the sale price of one, say, a bottle of Dalmore or something like that? Well, a, a tariff, you know, for your listeners, a tariff is a, effectively a tax. It right. is a 25% tax on an, on an imported product to the United States. So it, naturally, prices have to increase um, for, uh, for companies to remain competitive. But, but that means that U.S. consumers are having to pay over the odds for Scotch whiskey. And the U.S. is a phenomenally important market. It's a very um, educated market when it comes to Scotch whiskey. They have a long-standing love affair with uh, Scotch whiskey. So they, they would be shocked to see Scotch whiskey at a higher price. But that was not the, the fault of the industry. That was yeah. the fault of the tariffs. And that was resulting from this aerospace dispute over subsidies to Airbus, as you described, Mike. Right. And that's something that was unfair and unsustainable. And we were paying the price for that. Yeah, that seems unfair in, indeed. So so say a $40 bottle of scotch would have then cost 50 in other words? There is undoubtedly impact on, on the price of it and different member, different distillers will uh, take different take different decisions when it comes to, to pricing. But the overall impact is to reduce the amount of Scotch whiskey for sale in the United States, reduce the consumer choice that they have, and yes, to, to increase the price of Scotch whiskey in the round. Mm. And that makes us less competitive versus those other products which are on the market. Right. And I mean, there will be those who would say this is partly down to Brexit, obviously, because uh, the tariffs are different now from different parts of the world. Um, what have you found? What's been the experience uh, post-Brexit for your guys and, and their exports? Well, I think the, the first thing to say about um, the, the, the US tariffs is that if this was down to Liz Trust and the Department of International Trade having that trade flexibility uh, after leaving the European Union at the end of 2020, mm. the, the tariffs which came off yesterday on Scotch whiskey, on, uh, on Kashmir, on Stilton, on JCB and other UK products, it only relates to the UK at present. There are still US tariffs on EU products because the EU has not uh, reached a similar deal with mm. the US over the Airbus Boeing dispute. So that's a real bonus. That That is the flexibility of the post-Brexit trading world which we're in. And then there are some other opportunities which the Scotch whiskey industry looks ahead to, particularly in India. India is the biggest market for whiskey in the world, mm. but currently Scotch whiskey only has 1% of that market because we have a very high tariff in India, 150% in the Indian market. And Liz Truss and others in the UK government, we hope, 
will make a real push later on this year to reduce that tariff and therefore we can get more scotch whiskey into india as well yeah india is a great place for whiskey i remember hearing a great story and i was there uh, many years ago about when um, the russians and the americans were always trying to sort of vie for intelligence reports and the indians had bought some tanks um, from the US and the Russians had wanted to find out what the tanks blueprints were like and they managed to get them by br by bribing um, a, a Defense Department official with a case of Johnny Walker Black <laughs> because it was so hard to get and he was willing to give it all up just for a case of whiskey. Well, it's, it's Scotch whiskey is, is loved around the world. India uh, among them, there's, there's, yeah, India is still a hundred million pound market to Scotch whiskey, even though it is that low level of market share. Yeah. If we can get more Scotch whiskey into India, that's going to be more jobs and more investment across the UK. Absolutely right. Well, Graham, good news. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, nice to get a bit of good news on the trading front. Graham Little John, Director of Strategy and Communications there from the Scotch Whiskey Association. Um, May have to celebrate with a little dram myself at some point later on in the day. Uh, it's been a long week, has it not? Uh, for some reasons uh, and for good reasons as well. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk radio. Now, in these difficult times of Zoom calling, we're going to do something that we don't do terribly often. We're going to have two different people on two different Zoom calls talking to me, hopefully with uh, some sense being made of it all uh, by myself. Uh, David Drano uh, and Natalie Hurdley, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Mike. Nice to meet you. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. Nice to meet you as well. Uh, David, tell us, first of all, uh, if you can, a little bit about the Sports Business Club and, and, and what it's about. Yeah, hi. Thank you, Mike. Um, well, it actually originally came about, I, I co-own a semi-professional sports club in Kent uh, called Gillingham Town. Right. And obviously when, when lockdown happened uh, and the season was abolished, you can't ask your sponsors for more money. But then when we did open the ground, we couldn't have any spectators, so who's going to pay? Right. So we came up with an idea of engaging local businesses into sport and set up a business-to-business -business network because businesses will still part with cash if they're going to get some, some business and some money back. So long story short, we asked businesses for a few hundred pounds a year to come into a networking service set up in Kent. Uh, it was so successful, we raised enough money to run our club for a year within three weeks. Wow. So I was asked by a few people on local football associations and, and, and other sporting if we could launch it nationally. And on the 1st of September, we did so. And we're now funding over 100, 100 sports clubs, over 40 charities. And we've got over 100 business members that are directly contributing towards keeping sports clubs and charities afloat. And it's important in so many different ways, obviously, but just community-based sports clubs must be great for the kids as well. Because, I mean, I feel I've got two teenagers myself. They've had a terrible year, you know, as much as you might have thought. If you'd said to them last, this time last year, how do you fancy spending an entire year on PlayStation, never leaving the house and eating pizza a lot? They probably would have said, yeah, great. But now it's getting a bit boring, you know, and it would be nice uh, if there was a sports club that they could go to uh, or that other people's kids could go to on a regular basis that was providing them with a sort of service, you know? 
Absolutely. And it's quite interesting because we've got a lot of ex-Premier um, League player ambassadors. Obviously, Natalie's one of our ambassadors from Team GB as well. Um, and, you know, a lot of these people, they started playing in their local parks. And they started playing with their local under-9s clubs. And one of the things that, that's really important to us is even before lockdown, there were some families out there that couldn't afford sport. Right. There were some families that couldn't get the kids engaged. So a lot of a lot of the, 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 the you know, the, we, we donate 25% of our money on a monthly basis to sporting projects all over the UK and clubs. And one of the big things is getting youngsters engaged, feeling part of a team and, and, and feeling part of a community. Um, and we're trying to get to a stage, and we will do because the business is growing rapidly, where we may be able to provide some sports clubs in some counties with the ability to engage with children and not charge a penny oh, because they're be... getting enough funding from us. Yes, and that would be great. Natalie, tell us how you got involved uh, in all of this. By accident, to be honest. I got contacted by one of um, David's colleagues on Facebook on a just a random business thread, mm. and we had a one-to-one I told her a little bit about what I do and she asked me if I wanted to get involved and yes, 100%, if I can help grassroots sports, then I want to be involved. Absolutely right. Because, I mean, powerlifting is not something you just kind of fall into, I imagine, is it? I mean, you're not, you're not going to go to your local uh, sort of secondary school and have somebody going, how do you fancy doing a bit of powerlifting, are you? Yeah, again, I actually fell into it by accident. Right. <laughs> um, I was training in, in, my, in my local gym and the... Team GB coach just approached me and said, I think you should train with us. I think you'll be really good. Mm. And after turning him down for about four months, I finally gave gave in and fell in love with it. Right. So what, was he watching you lifting weights or something? Yeah. Right. He was just watching me go about my my daily routine in the gym. Yeah. And so how have you managed to keep that up while lockdown's been going on? It's been really tough. Um, I've had to drop the amount of weight that I'm lifting quite a lot and just add a lot more reps into it, a lot mm. more volume, just because of the safety aspect of the sport. Usually we have somebody who can spot us, so somebody there to help us if we get stuck. So in terms of lifting heavyweights, it's not something I've just not been able to do right. from a safety aspect. Yes. And so what do you do with uh, with David and, 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 and the organisation itself? What, what can, You're sort of obviously an ambassador. What, what, what do you tell people? I just spread the word. I do a lot of business networking myself and it's actually become part of my own business pitch when I am um, talking to every business because I think what David's doing and the team's doing is hugely important and the majority of people are affected by sports in some way or another mm. and it's not just kids sports, it's adults as well. If you've got a couple of people who go five aside every week for their mental health then they're getting affected too. Yes, that's right, isn't it, David? Because so much has kind of ground to a halt. I mean, you see plenty of people, you know, running and jogging and cycling, but the gyms have been closed. I mean, Boris Johnson launched this campaign yesterday to get everybody fitter. Um, but I said, well, why, why are the gyms still shut if you can, if you can do that? Um, what can people actually do at the moment in terms of sports clubs? Uh, spot on. Uh, I completely agree, uh, Mike. You know, and, and with the fact that you can, you can open supermarkets, which uh, have got air conditioning, yeah. and they're spreading the same breath all around for hundreds of people, yeah. but you can't have a socially distanced and responsible gym open for people to get active. I mean, it's, it, 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 uh, you know, it's a difficult thing to handle, but there is a little double standards in what is open and what isn't. Mm. But at the moment, you know, you, you can go for walks. Of course you can. You can go for runs and other bits and pieces, but 
I mean, it's like we actually fund a, a wheelchair rugby club in right. in in Medway. Mm. Now, these people are not, you know, the disabled. It's not so easy to get out. You know that it's not so easy to participate. And I think more importantly for people that are disabled, it's more being part of a community and actually yeah. getting out and doing things. Mm. Um, so it's very tough at the moment. But look, you know, you can go for walks. A lot more people are getting involved in nature. You can go to personal training outside as long as only two of you and you keep them socially distanced. But it's incredibly difficult to keep active at the moment. Isn't it? Yeah, it really is. But I guess it will start to get easier. We do seem to be seeing some light at the end of the tunnel and maybe in a month or I'm, I'm sort of urging to try and move it all up a bit faster because as the weather gets better, people are going to want to be out and about doing stuff, you know. Um, and what you don't want to see is people get arrested for playing five-side football in a park, you know. It's just kind of mad. Because you can also, I mean, you can walk on a golf course, but you can't hit the golf ball, apparently. <laughs> well, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, golf, you would think, is one of those sports where you can... I mean, you, I mean I've mean, i played golf with people where you literally don't see them from the tee to the green, you know, and, and then suddenly they remarkably make a fall, even though they've been in the woods for like half the uh, half the hole. But, you know, so so what do you what are you hoping for, Dave, in terms of timings and when you, when you can start up again actually getting people out and doing things? Well, I think I think yeah, there's been an announcement that, that some of the leagues, uh, football-wise and, and otherwise, can start again on the 29th of March. I know, I know that um, I know that because we've got a wheelchair. Uh, sorry, we've got a female uh, rugby professional rugby player, Taz Bricknell, as part of our group as well mm. as an ambassador, and they've started playing again. So the men's rugby were playing, but the women's weren't. Now the women's are playing again. And again, you go back to that double standards, unfortunately. But so they're they're now out and about again. Uh, but to be honest with you, I think. It's, it's going to be a, you're going to be kind of updated on a weekly basis because we're not in control of what we can do and how we can do it. Other people are. Mm. And I'm not 100 percent sure these other people are. They, they, you know, they say that they're interested in you getting healthy and your mental health. But when it actually comes down to delivering it and allowing people to, to take part safely in, in, in events, they're not. it's not forthcoming, is it, Mike? It's really not. And, and how about your situation, Natalie? I mean, obviously, you have to remain uh, fit and you have to keep training because presumably at some point or other you'll be competing again. What's that? What does that look like for you? I'm just taking it day by day at the moment. I'm relying very heavily on my coach to keep me informed with what's going on in terms of competition dates and venues and things like that. Mm. As far as I'm aware at the moment, I will be allowed back with him and the team on the 12th of April right. and not before then. Yeah, that's when the pubs are opening. So I'm afraid uh, in my position, I'll be going in a slightly different direction. <laughs> but what's, um, what, uh, what, 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 what can you lift, Natalie, if that's not a stupid question? What, what do you actually lift? My overall total at the moment is 300 kilograms. Blimey. That's quite, that's quite a lot, isn't it? For my size, it's quite good. <laughs> right, that is good. And when, I mean, when do you think you'll be competing uh, again in, in, a, in a proper big competition? What I'm hoping for is to get to the British Championships, which is in August right. in Bristol. And then we've got the European Championships in Glasgow in September this year. So I'm hoping to enter both of those this year. OK, well, let's hope that all uh, runs along on the rails. And, and and David, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. I think you should be very much congratulated for, for, for doing it. It's a great public service. And it's an example, I think, as well, isn't it, of what people have done in business, particularly since the lockdowns happened. I mean, I've got a lot of friends who have kind of been very good at, at moving around and finding other ways of, of, of not just making money, but, but creating services and helping people. And I think we, we can be quite proud of that in this country. I, I completely agree. And, and the, the thing is, being part of a networking group is you're actually 
businesses are able to share what is successful for them and how they're and how they're coping. And look, you know, when lockdown does finish and, and when you're able to return to normal, how many people are actually going to return back to London? I mean, London is important. Yes, it's a big city. But actually, a lot of these companies realise that mm. you can trust your staff to be at home. Yeah. And it might actually bring more money and more finances back to your local villages and your local high streets because people are actually conducting business around the country now. Mm. So there are positive signs. But yes, if you don't change with the times, uh, it's been it's been a very educational time for businesses throughout the UK, hasn't it? Yes, it really has. So how do people get in touch and find out what's going on in their sort of area, David? Right. So basically, we've got a website, which is quite simple, www.vertsportsbusinessclub.co.uk. Uh, you can find myself on all social media, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, uh, um, Instagram and Twitter. Um, and or, or alternatively, um, you know, you could, you, you'll find us in the news um, and the radio stations like yourself. <laughs> right. Good. Excellent. Well, listen, it's great to, to speak to you. I'm sure we'll speak again at some point or other when things start moving along. Um, have you got an involvement with any of the schools opening up? I mean, are you able to do anything there? Because I know a lot of, uh, a lot of kids will presumably be doing some kind of sport shortly. Well, the interesting thing is that two very good businesses are, are part of our network. We've got Puma. So uh, Matt Lockwood, who played uh, professionally for Nottingham Forest, has brought Puma into our network, which is fantastic. And we're also dealing with the Enterprise Agency, which is an agency that helps schools on their syllabus and uh, the type of things that they're going to need to do for people to go into different careers. And what we're hoping with Puma are going to be offering some free equipment and some free help to sports clubs and we obviously go through negotiations of how we do that at the moment. So sports clubs and schools. And we're going to basically put these institutions together. Because let me be blunt, I'm David Juano. I'm out to run a business network. But I do not know what's required in the school syllabus mm. and for sports clubs across the UK. Right. So our job is just to put people in touch and spread the good, good work that they want to do. Great stuff. Well, good luck with it. And thanks for joining us. And thanks for talking to us, uh, David Juano and uh, Natalie uh, Hurdley, of course. Good luck with your uh, future comp competition as well. 300 kilograms. That's an awful lot of uh, weight to lift, isn't it? I mean, I'm not, not, not really much of a weightlifting uh, aficionado, it has to be said. But that does sound uh, rather a lot, does it not? Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's Friday. It's 12.51. And it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Full compliance in the back room there, but they went a little bit early. A bit of a full start. Well, I told them I was going to take their citizenships if uh, they right didn't too. comply. Well so, done. A lot of people uh, moaning about that. It's amazing what upsets people, isn't it? Yesterday it was citizenship. Today... Also citizenship. Who yeah. knew citizenship was such a... You remember, imagine if you walked into a radio station and said, let's do a, a, a phone-in <laughs> on citizenship, and they went, no, that will never work. No. Nobody's interested in that. No, no one's interested in that. It's simply a yes or no answer. That wouldn't work at no, all. No, of course doing not. That. Of course not. Some people have said that. Some anyway, have, have, yeah. But they're not very them. experienced in the radio business, obviously. I couldn't possibly comment. No, quite. Uh, welcome to the Perry Awards. Thank you. Welcome this back. Is, welcome. Oh, yeah, welcome back Your substitute me. last week, Izzy, was very good, I have to say. She was very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I think I think she's a good um, good substitute. Yeah, I good, think that's yeah, fair to say. Yeah, a good substitute for when I'm not yes, around, you okay. know, holidays and the like. Remember holidays? No. Um, this is what we look back over the past week of the so-called so independent republic of mm. my grandma on talk radio and choose our favourite moments. Yes. Tradition says the first very goes to you, Thank and you. it's the sound effect of the week. Yeah. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, talk radio. 
Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk radio. Still got this creaky chair as well. I mean, what is going on? Can we not get a proper chair in here? For God's sake. Have you still got it? They've, I think so. Yeah, there oh, we yeah. are. There we go. <laughs> Makes a different noise every time. Yes. Yeah. We could do some music with that. We could, yeah. Send it, to, send it to music. Uh, let's go now for the classic Megan impression of the week. Yes. Has. 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 Can you, can you talk to Oprah? Can you tell Oprah about how difficult it's been for us? The struggle. Barely surviving. Just about getting by. Could you please tell her? Has. Has. Talk to her. She gets louder and louder every time. She does. Well, she gets very irate, you know. She has, she's got a very short attention span and a, a quick temper, I'm told. Allegedly. According to the people in Being the... the uh, keyword. Uh, in the palace investigation. <laughs> it's now time for a visual parody yes, of the week. Yes, we like this. And uh, it's uh, you... Sort of. On Sunday, you joined Patrick Christie's and Alex Phillips live from a beach in Bexhill, and your dog Ziggy won the pair for interruption of the week. We can pay him that way, but it won't be as much, I can tell you that. I think people do want to go back to work because nobody is really meant to be living a life of leisure. You go insane in the end. You have to work, you have to make money, you have to contribute to the exchequer. (laughs) Dog's starting to do some weird stuff on the pebbles here. I'm not quite sure what's going on. But you know, listen, the point is this, right? Ziggy's going to be very happy when I see him later. Well, give you my regards. I will. You know that I love your dog. I know, And he's I'm great. heartbroken that I haven't met him yet. I know, so this is going to have to happen. After lockdown, hopefully. Yes. And um, listen, don't say I don't spoil you, because this week there is a second visual parry of the week. Brilliant. And it's the James Larvin visual parry for technical difficulties. It goes to friend of the show and chef Cyrus Todiwala. Mm. Well, let's speak to Cyrus Todiwala, uh, because the VAT cut for hospitality has been extended, which can only be, I would have thought, very good news uh, for everyone in the hospitality business. Cyrus, a very good afternoon to you. Hi, Cyrus. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Cyrus. Are you there? I can see Uh. you, but I can't hear you. We'll see if we can fix that. (laughs) We'll see if we can fix that. That's great. Poor old Cyrus. Marvin's gone into hiding now, you know. I think he's enrolled in the witness protection program. Well, listen, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't <laughs> we'll be surprised. Uh, no, it, it it does feel like someone forgot to connect the sound. It I does think, sound I think like it that. Is something Not for the first that, time. That happens yes. um, every now and again. Yes. Uh, now it's time to go live to our traffic and travel report. An update in Suffolk on the A12 near Wangford. It is closed in both directions. Where's that? <laughs> With a G. Oh. <laughs> It's in Suffolk, I think. Yeah. And speaking of traffic-related things, caller James in Oxted wins the assumption of the week. Because I would have thought your cyclists was more uh, in touch with nature and they're not stuck in their cars and just healthier kind of, you know, they're just better. No, they all think they're in the Tour de France, right? So they pick up, you know, they've got somebody that they know standing there with a bottle to hand to them. They drink it, they chuck it. And then they go, look, my name's Jean-Claude Killy or something, you know. Although technically he was a skier, actually. I was just going to ask, is that a real person? He is a real person, but he was a downhill skier. I believe he was uh, Austrian. Nice. Jean-Claude Killy. See, I only knew two Jean-Claude, Van Damme Uh, and Junker. That's it. Yes. Well, that's two quite good ones. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there are others. Yeah, probably. We could do a whole show on it, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Ask your friend over the other other side, see what she thinks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And now, for what I've called Top Banter with Sam Calder. Top Banter. If I, for example, have to go to the dentist tomorrow, right, I have to go to Harley Street for that because that's where you would expect me to go to the dentist. Now, Classic. I don't live anywhere near Harley Street, 
Um, and I don't work anywhere near Harley Street, but I've got to go there. So I'm allowed to go there because it's medical um, assistance, presumably. Yep. Absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly right. But what yes, if I was you, you going? Are... But what if I was going for cosmetic work? Uh-huh. Then what? A cosmetic dentistry or cosmetic surgery? Which are you well, having? Or maybe you're having a, a couple of the complete. I mean, as you can over. see, I've had I... a lot of work done, Simon. You know, <laughs> this look doesn't come cheap. <laughs> it's true. Top bands. Very good. Top we bands. do like Simon. We love we love Simon Calder. And finally, and for the very first time, yes, off to breakfast for the. Oops, Julia forgets how to speak Pedro Awards. <laughs> you, you were former Chief Secretary, the tre- Shadow tre- Secretary, to the ah, get the words out to the Treasury. <laughs> That's great. Happens to the best Brilliant. of us. Can we have that one again, please? Yeah, go on then. I like that one. You, you were former Chief Secretary, the tre- Shadow tre- Secretary, to the ah, get the words out to the Treasury. If you tried to say that, you couldn't. Like, former, like that. For, for, <laughs> oh, there goes the chair again. <laughs> Sorry. I think we're having uh, far too much fun. You know? I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. So to uh, it. yeah, it's, it's very late. I'm very late. So very I'm late. just gonna say thank you. That's all for the Perry Awards. There'll be more next week. Thank you. The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.